Welcome to our sermon. I am Pastor Nathan Escarga, and I am sure that God will speak to you through his word today. But uh, d have not been able to take part uh, in all of our sessions for the last number of, of months. Uh, we uh, started out, I think, the end of April, uh, just going through uh, the book of Romans, the letter of, that Paul wrote uh, by inspiration to uh, of the Holy Spirit to the church in Rome and to the believers in Rome. And um, so we've been going through that. And a, a very powerful, uh, in-depth um, look at salvation, what separates us from God, and uh, how we can have relationship with God, how we can have forgiveness, and how we can also have life in and through Jesus. So there's, it's an in-depth study that is given to us uh, in the Word of God, especially the first 10 chapters of, of Romans. And then we have uh, uh, some practical, after chapter 12, we have a, a practical element to um, the finished work of Christ as we put our faith in Jesus Christ, uh, how that affects us and how we should uh, live our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. So, uh, very, very detailed, um, and tonight we're going to be dealing with, uh, uh, as the main theme of this, this book that I've been focusing in on is, is changing my future, how we can change our future, and everything from uh, of dealing with sin, uh, our, our bank account that we have, uh, to have a great life, how to have a great life. Uh, something about wages and benefits and a pension plan uh, is what we took in study of in part five. Uh, when we come to forks in the road, we have decisions to make, uh, chapters seven and eight, which is part six, and, and how we can overcome in suffering, how we can be a fragrance of life to others. Uh, when we just feel like we're not good enough, um, so these are just some of the titles and some of the focuses or foci, if that's the right word, foci, foci that we've had the last a number of uh, months. So tonight it's going to be de about dealing with authority. And, and I started off today uh, from Colossians chapter 1, and I refer to it again as we're giving thanks, especially as we see the days and the times that we live in, uh, we recognize that uh, things uh, are can be uh, difficult, or as we look around, we just we we have maybe a um, an uncertainty, uh, or maybe there's a shaking up in our life. Um, uh, but we are, we are living in the last days, and uh, they should be exciting times for us as believers, as we see the return of the Lord drawing near and near. And um, I just began. Uh, reading from uh, Colossians 1 from verse 13. I just want to just refer to that. It says that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, only by his blood that we can be in right standing with God. It's not any good thing that we can do. It is by his blood that we have forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, Jesus. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself by him, Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. We have peace only with God through the blood 
of his cross through his, his suffering, his sacrifice, his death for us. And you, who were once, who once were alienated or separated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. So through his body that was broken, his bloodshed, and through his death, he reconciled us to the Father to present us holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed, if indeed you continue in the faith, rounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Hallelujah. And it goes on to talk about him going out and preaching. And we are here as a result of that. 2,000 years later, we are here and we have received reconciliation with God Almighty. Now, this passage refers to the preeminence of Jesus Christ being above all things, and he is sovereign. And in Romans, it talks about authority, the authority that's been uh, given and that is on this earth. And it talks about how we should be uh, when it comes to the authorities, the governing authorities here on this earth. So, uh, some of this we, we will we'll look at and we'll just see how, what does this mean to us today? Because I'll, I'll tell you, um, as we look at uh, governments today, whether it's our own government, whatever level it may be at, or whether it's the, the, govern, the governments that are in other nations, we recognize that... Um, that some of these, this pa these passages, like, Lord, how, how does that apply to us? Like, how, how does that work? Uh, and so we're going to look at that and uh, just at, at Scripture and just uh, delve into that a little bit because uh, if, we, if we at first glance read these passages, we say, oh, um, I, I need to do everything that the government tells me to do. So we're going to look at that, and we're going to just uh, recognize a few things here this, this evening. So from verse 1 in, in Romans chapter 13, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So even that in that phrase, or this, this very first verse, it's like, okay, so God, you've put authority into place and governing authorities into place. In fact, God has put, he is sovereign, he puts authorities into place. And they're appointed, they're appointed by God. So he puts them into place. God is sovereign. Now, let me just make a statement right up front. God has appointed governing and governments and kings over nations and, and, and nations, but it doesn't mean necessarily that he is that God is is um, forcing, if you would, for those governments to heed him. Not. We, we can sometimes struggle with, with this aspect of God. If you, you put things into place, why would you put in something into place that, that uh, may not choose to follow you? So even though God appoints authorities and, and, and kings and, and uh, governments, he does not control their free will to do right or wrong. So he may put them in place, but he doesn't say, you will do what I tell you to do. And that is why it makes sense then, even though this statement that he's put into place, he's appointed 
authorities, it makes sense then that, that when he says, and, and Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, he says, I exhort you, therefore I exhort you first of all that supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So he's saying even we need to pray, we need to, to pray, we need to make supplication, we make, make intercession, and even to give thanks. Today, someone said, hey, I thank God that we live in this country. And we should give thanks in all things. We give thanks. And it says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So that's what the prayer is about, is, God, that we could live a peaceable life. How many of you would want that there's not turmoil in your life, and especially in, in what is going on around us? We don't want to see turmoil. We don't want to see uh, godlessness. But we want, to, we want to see godliness. We want to see reverence, that there's reverence given to God. And it says, it goes on to say, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle, I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So the, the, the purpose of the prayers and intercessions and supplications for government is that we would have a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence that we would be able to exalt the Lord. But also God's heart and desire is that people would have the opportunity to come to not just the knowledge of truth in Jesus Christ, but that all should be saved. So the, the, the heart of God for government and governing is for there to be an allowance of the gospel to be preached. It's amazing that there are numerous countries on the face of this planet that don't allow the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't allow it. And so, do we do what it says here that, uh, that we would obey them? Because that, that's the question, and that's what we will see as we go on reading through Romans. It, it, would, end, it would feel like that is what we need to do, is that we need to obey the government in every aspect. And we'll see that that's not the case. When governing authorities choose to do and dictate that which is ungodly, we don't have to follow in their edicts of ungodliness. That which is godly and good, we do. That which is not godly or not good, we don't do. And we'll see, we'll see that, we'll have examples here. And I just, I want to start off with more of a, a religious authority. In fact, in, in Acts, we read of one of the very first uh, miracles that was done of the lame man being able to walk. And they said, well, by what authority uh, do you do this, did you do this work? And, and it said, by, in Jesus' name. By faith in Jesus and in his name. And so they called them and commanded them. This is Acts 4 verse 18. They called them the religious leaders of the day and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whatever it is right in the sight of God to listen to you or whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. So they're saying, well, who should we listen to? God 
or should we listen to you? For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since, they, since all the people glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So he was lame from birth. And even as, as Peter and John interacted with this man that had been there his entire life, he'd come it would be perhaps dropped off there at, on the porch and he would be begging for, for alms, for something. Give me something to eat or something so I can continue on. And so here this man had been healed. As Peter said to him, hey, you know, as, hey, do you have some money for me? Do you have something for me? He's, and Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he says he took him by the hand. He lifted him up. Or he, he, as, even as he took him, strength came to his ankles that were weak. And the man began to walk and to leap and to praise God. And here, the religious authority of the time said, you are not allowed to do anything in Jesus, in the name of Jesus. No teaching or preaching or anything in the name of Jesus. Now, in we can see as we continue to read through, we realize in chapter 5, it goes on to say, Acts chapter 5, it talks about the fact that they, man, there were so many things that were happening, miracles that were being done in Jesus' name. So they didn't listen to the authority. They continued on. And again, they were, in, to the, the last time that they came in front, they were sort of beaten, but this time they were imprisoned. And uh, during the night, even as John and, uh, and Peter were imprisoned again, or at that point, an angel came and, and got them out of prison, going past the guards, and even to the point where the door, when they got up in the morning, the door was locked. So how they got out, uh, it was a God thing. So here, we can already see here that this thing of, of the authority that is in place, whether they're appointed by God, in this case, the religious uh, authorities here are, are saying, don't do anything in Jesus' name. And, and again, it's uh, reiterated in Acts chapter 5, verse 28. It says, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us, Jesus' blood, that we are the ones that crucified him. But Peter and the other apostles answered said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior and to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So we're going to preach about those things. We're going to speak of those things. Because Jesus is on the right hand of God. He is in a place of authority. And we're going to obey God rather than men. Now, we have to look at how much we're going to follow our government. In the last, especially the last few years, there's been some things that were decreed. And... Um, would have been decreed under the, the guise, if you would, of your health and your safety, the health and safety of those around you. And so uh, there was a closing down, a quarantining, and a, a, a locking down that took place. I'm not saying that people can't get sick. People get sick. But what I am saying is this. At what point do we say... Do we listen and obey? 
at what point? And I recognize, regardless of your view at this time, we may come to a point where we're asked to do things that are contrary to what the, the Word of God says. What are you going to do? I just finished reading a book on the holidays, just a short uh, biography of uh, Dietrich von, von Hofer. And he lived during the uh, World War I and World War II. And he was uh, a pastor in, um, in uh, what is now Germany. And uh, one of the things that he tried to uh, bring across during World War II especially was the fact that things were changing so fast within the church and things, edicts were coming down from the governing authorities. And so they were becoming, some of these things were becoming more and more extreme. And part of it was, there was this aspect of the church. What is the church going to do? Is the church going to go along with these things? Because this is being mandated by the government. So, for instance, you know, first it was, you're not allowed, or we're, we're basically shutting down any Jewish business that's out there. And so if you went to a particular store that happened to be owned by Jews, uh, you're, you're, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Later on, it got more and more extreme to the point where uh, Jews were being identified and they were basically being shipped off to, to camps where they died because they were Jewish. Because that's what the government said and decreed. So the question is this, as a believer, do you say, well, you know what, I don't, I'm not going to go along with this. There is a point where we either say yes or we say no I'm not going to do that anymore I can't I can't do what the government is saying and so here I uh, there was a request by the the religious authorities to say hey don't do don't do anything in Jesus name and Peter and apostles answered and said we ought to obey God rather than men there's situations where you obey God rather than men. So what do we do? So, the point of, of our prayers for our government is f that the fact, and I go back to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, verse 3, where it says, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So when the government starts to put edicts saying, hey, you're not allowed to say this, you're not allowed to say that, you can't, uh, to the point where there's, well, you know what, you can't, uh, it may get to that place, you're not allowed to preach certain aspects of the Bible because it's contrary to what we are dictating. God's heart and desire is that all should be saved from their sins. In our country, there are things that are acceptable now that were not acceptable 50 years ago. They're, they're acceptable now because the government says, well, they are, it's acceptable to do certain things. And so that's how people live. They live according to decisions made by government. And there is a point where we have to say, you know what, I'm not going to believe or I'm not going to follow what the government is saying because it is contrary to the word of God. And so if, you're, if you need to know what am I supposed to do, it is according to your take of the Word of God and your conscience sake, this is what I will do as a believer of God. 
we, that we would not be contrary and disobey the word of God. So Jesus said, and this was going contrary about where the leaders were saying, don't do anything in his name. Don't talk about Jesus or any of the doctrines and uh, about his death or anything like that. And Jesus, what he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So the, the heart of God is that we go out to make disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. We would follow Jesus. One of the things that I've, I know the Lord has put this on my heart for not just myself, but as a church, that you would do whatever you can with the time that you have left, that we have left, to connect with people that don't know the Lord and to share with them salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We need to recognize there's basically two stories that we need to share. Number one is the fact that we're separated from God. We're not good enough to be a with God, that we have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. That's the first thing we need to say is there's a big problem that is keeping us apart from God. And all of us have sinned. And so we all need to believe in Jesus. And so we, we, there's a repentance, there's a turning in direction. We cannot continue on. Let me just say this. You can ask, if I hit you in the face... And then I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Can you forgive me? Yeah, I forgive you. And the very next moment, I just hit you again a little bit harder. And I kept, I kept hitting you. I kept doing the same thing over and over. At some point, you'd say, hey, this isn't right. This isn't good. Now, Jesus, we talked, Don talked about forgiveness last, last week. And he talked about the thing that how many times do we ask for forgiveness? 70 times 7, 490 times, really, that we, we should forgive because the Lord has forgiven us all our sins, every single one. But when it comes to continuing on in sin, the practice of sin, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot continue to sin. Now, we can stop sinning, but we need to believe in Jesus Christ to take care of our sin. That's the second story that we need to really share. The one is the thing about sin and the separation from God. But the second thing is the fact that we have life by our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. There is no other way. So even as we confess, Lord, I'm a sinner, but you died for me? Lord, I can't, I can't fathom that you would die the king of kings the creator of this universe that you would die for me so i can have life my sins forgiven because of your blood shed for me even as i confess my sins the blood of jesus begins to wash me clean and even as i would believe on him if we continue on in that faith we believe on jesus christ and we ask him to come into our life we are born of god we are born again and so there is new life that comes in, and that's the heart of God. And so when there's a, a, a dictator or a, govern, a governance that is saying, no, don't do that, you cannot say that, it is at that point where you say, you know what, I'm going to continue to be a witness in these last days. It's amazing that in the lands where that is the case, the lands of persecution, that that is where most, there are so many people getting saved because they're living in such darkness and they grab a hold of that which is of light and which is of life. And they have life in the worst of times. And life that is eternal and life that is for now. It's like, thank you, Lord. And so the Lord desires and he says, all authority has been given to me and I want you to go out and I want you to make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and I will be with you right until the end of the age. This is, this is a, a reality as you 
go to make disciples. That's one of the reasons I'm saying, hey, that we should connect with as many people as possible that don't know Jesus to let them know about Jesus in who we are, in our life, in, our, in how we are, we live our life, but also in the opportunities that open up for us to speak about Jesus. We need to speak about Jesus, about sin and the solution to sin, Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And we believe on that, that the unbeliever would believe on that and have salvation. Now, this thing, if, as we go, let's continue on. So from Rome, in Romans chapter 13, from verse 2. So the first verse says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now the next, this next verse would seem to be a contradiction. But I, I, I'm going to read through the whole thing. And you, you, if you take it just one verse or portion, you could get thrown off. So you read, you have to read it in, it, in its entirety. All right? It says, therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who risk will bring judgment on themselves. So if you resist authority, you resist the ordinance of what God ordained to be, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rule, now listen, so here's some of the qualifi qualifiers now. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. So the inference here is the ruler being a good ruler. The rulers are not a terror to good works. For the, okay, so if you're doing the right thing and you have a good ruler, you will not have any problems with them. The only time that people have problem with a good government is when they do evil. So in a good government, there will be consequences for doing evil, as there should be. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. You don't have to worry about the authority. A good authority that is doing the things of God or would have, hey, this is what you should do or shouldn't do. You don't have to be afraid. And you will have praise from the same authority as you do what is right. For he, the authority, is God's minister to you for good, not for evil. So, and I recognize there are, are pastors, I've had conversations, that say, no, 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 you got to do everything the government tells you to do. Because that's what the word of God says. That's what Romans 13 says. No, you don't have to listen if the if the government said we want that the that if there's anybody that that uh, you know that is jewish that you turn them in or kill them yourself you say what because we know that the authority of god i'm going to obey god rather than men and the authority of god says that that we should not commit murder we should not just kill. It says, for he, a godly or a good governance, is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Not good. Let me ask you a question. Should should we not, should we go to church or not? So, for a large part of the last two and a half years, we didn't go to church. We, did, we didn't assemble together. And I recognize, uh, we say, okay, well, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do what the government is asking us to do because there's this uh, idea that it, it's for our safety and the safety of others. Now, as time has gone on, two and a half years have passed, and we recognize, well, there are countries that, that there was no such thing. There weren't, there weren't um, these 
edicts coming down, there weren't lockdowns, there weren't masks, there weren't vaccines, there weren't any of these things. And the country, the countries continued on at the, at the same rate of death and, or even less than what we have now here in our country. For the government or that, that authority that's put in place is God's minister to you for good. Now, I guess the question is, can God use a negative or a, a government that is, is extreme? And I've, I've come to recognize that as you look at bad governments that are, are in place, and governments where there's great persecution, you recognize that there are oftentimes moves of God because everything that is, uh, that is stood upon is now being cut or taken out from underneath your feet. So the, the foundations that you, that you may have had in those countries you recognize, okay, all the things that we stood on, they're, they're being taken away, and there's, there are these edicts and dictates coming down. And so now, people, if they depended on their position, well, position doesn't matter. If they depended on their wealth, wealth doesn't matter. If it depends on their education, well, education doesn't matter. So all the things that you may depend on are suddenly, they're, they're being removed from you. And now... Nothing, there's, as everything is taken away, now there's just a, like we can just trust in the Lord. Or even as someone would, would say, hey, you know what? I have a peace. I, I, even as I read of, of, and you read of martyrs, people that die, for them to be able to have the choice to renounce their faith, they say, no, I'm going to continue to believe in Jesus, knowing that it's going to cost them their life and their life is taken. To hang on to what is important, even if it means the loss of their life. You recognize the, what should I say, the, the refuge that, that Jesus is even in the face of death. So we had a few pastors that, um, that chose to, to go against govern, the government in the last two and a half years and they're still dealing with some of the actions they did. And I, so I, I've heard some say, well, that was wrong. They shouldn't have done that. The one thing that definitely came out from all of that, those individuals that stood up, even like being the point of a spear, there was a recognition of, of the consequences. And we as a nation and as a church got to see where our nation is at spiritually and the governance that is going on at this point. And we got to see firsthand this is how pastors are treated when they are not, when they say, you know what, we're going to continue to assemble together. We're going to continue to meet together. We're going to continue to preach the gospel in an open public setting. And so we saw where our government is at. The one thing that I would say that I saw regarding our government and regardless of the age or the, the level of government that it was, got to see how far our country has slipped. Because as far as I can, I know, I don't know of any politician that stood up to say, you know what? We are going through a hard time. We're going through a dark time. Can we not pray? Can we not come together and pray? Not one. I, I don't know of any that, that made a thing. Let's, let's have a day of prayer. Let's pray for our country. This is our, instead, 
we had pastors that were incarcerated that were fined tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars and restricted, thrown in jail in Canada. When a king or governing body is not good, Proverbs 29 has a number of passages that talk about this. It says, Proverbs 29, 2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. How true. When there's a righteous man in authority, the people rejoice. When good is being done, people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. How true that is. Proverbs 29, 4 says, The king establishes the land by justice, but he who receives bribes overthrows it. So there should be a ruling by justice, not by a receiving of bribes. Hey, you know, for a million dollars, will you do this? You're in a, a position of authority and, and uh, power. You know, we want to bribe you. Proverbs 29, verse 8, Scoffers set a city aflame, but wise men turn away wrath. When there's a scoffing of the things of God, they set a city aflame, starts to burn up. And we see with it, there's, there's a, a decay that comes because people are scoffing at the things of God and they're mocking God and those that would follow God. And the city burns up and there's a decay uh, that comes but it says wise men turn away wrath praise god that a wise man can turn away wrath verse 12 says if a ruler pays attention to lies all his servants become wicked so when there's a, a, a giving of lies it's amazing that those that are under the that authority become wicked the servants become wicked. The king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. Not things of, of lies and injustice. But the king who judges the, the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. When the wicked are multiplied, transgressions arise or increase, but the righteous will see their fall. Many seek the, the ruler's favor, verse 26. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. That surprises me. We never heard anything of the Lord. In the worst of the times, we didn't hear anything of the Lord by those that are, were in authority. An unjust man, verse 27, is an abomination to the righteous, and he who is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. So an unjust man is an abomination to the righteous. And he who is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. There's that which, there's a, a coming out and standing up against that which is of wickedness. Okay, so just a few examples here uh, in the Old and New Testament of people that, that did not obey the orders of the king. So in Exodus chapter 1, uh, we have, uh, there's a decree that goes out. Now, there's a, there is a pharaoh or king that did not, no longer knew Joseph. So if you know anything about history of, of Israel, uh, that there were times of famine, and uh, there was a, a moving of the early offspring of, of Abraham, or of, of Jacob, to Egypt. And uh, Joseph was second in command over all of Egypt as a Jew, as a Hebrew. And so there was a, a king or pharaoh that rose up and, and didn't know or remember um, Joseph and what he had done to save 
Egypt and, and even surrounding nations uh, during times of good and times of famine, especially times of famine. And so the people of, the, the, of descent from uh, Jacob and his children and their children and so on and so on, after a number of hundreds of years, uh, they got to the point where there were so many of them that the king decided, you know what? Uh, we have to make their lives bitter with hard bondage in building and making mortar and brick and, and all manner of service in the field. And then even with that, they continued to, to, to thrive. And it was like the, the, the population was already much larger than the Egyptians. And so the king spoke to the Hebrew midwives, and this is Exodus 1, verse 15, and he says, uh, and there was two of them, Shifra and Pua, and he said, when you do the duties of midwife for the Hebrew women and see them in birth on their birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him, but if it is a daughter, then sh she shall live. And the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male, ch male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? Why, why, why didn't you kill them? I've decreed that they should be killed. And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives can come to them. It says, therefore God dwelt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very might mightily, or mighty. So here's a, a direct uh, disobedience to a decree by the king to kill the male children. They said, we're not going to do it. Or basically, they, they, they disobeyed. They didn't follow orders. So this would be contrary, it would seem contrary to Romans chapter 1 or 13. But as we see in Romans chapter 13, it is for good. This isn't for good. This is maybe for uh, the paranoia of this king, thinking that they would be overrun by this, this nation, that they were enslaving. So there's times where you don't follow the king's orders. We have another example in Daniel chapter 3 where King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the, the king over Babylon and was the superpower of the time. And so he had a statue built out of gold and basically the people were supposed to, when, when the, the, the decree was given, they were supposed to fall down and worship the golden image. So, so the two, you, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you shall fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? In verse 16, Daniel 3.16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, I like this, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So here we have these three young men saying, hey, we will not obey the decree. So this would seem to be contrary to Romans chapter 13. If you just take a, a, a portion of the scripture, you don't read it in context. The king is supposed to be for the good of the people. 
to be against evil. The, the law of God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make a graven image. And so there was decree set up hundreds or it would have been at this point, it would, yeah, it would have been probably fi over 500 or about 900 years later that they're in this place or they're, it's around nine, eight or 900 years later. And they're saying, no, we're going to serve God. We're not going to bow our knee to anybody. So you have this, this disobedience to uh, govern governance. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 32 says, In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the, the king, or Aretas, was gar guarding the city of De uh, Damascenes, or Damascenes, with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the, the wall and escaped from his hands. So there was this governor in Damascus uh, who was desiring to arrest Paul. And here Paul had somebody that was not complying with the government and they were complicit in the escape of Paul. You say, well, who was that? In Acts chapter 9, it talks about this incident. It says in verse 23, Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall in a large basket. So Paul is recounting this and he's saying there were followers of Jesus Christ believers that said there's no way that we're going to let you be arrested and we're going to help you to escape contrary to the decree of the government and so he escaped so we see these brothers or sisters brothers and sisters that helped Paul to escape when he was going to be arrested in Damascus why would God allow a wicked government or king to come into power? Usually, the king or even the priests or the people are at a place where they're saying, we don't want the things of God. And one of the things that God will allow is for a uh, king or govern governance government to, to come into existence to shake the people to a point of saying God they start to cry out to God and we see that that was the case oftentimes in the Old Testament where the king it says as there's a an epitaph of, of his life it says the king did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord and I'll tell you Whenever the king did which was evil inside of the Lord, the entire nation suffered. They would cry out to God. And as they cried out to God, God would be merciful and there would be a change that would take place. Sometimes it took one or two kings in a row or three kings, especially for the northern um, uh, kingdom of Israel. Because the people were at a place saying, we don't want the things of God. We want to do things that are contrary. We want to do what we want to do. So the Lord, there would be one king after another after another, and it would be grievous until the people repented and they turned back to God. Because when we serve God, it is a blessing to us and to those that would be around us, even to those that are maybe not uh, there serving him, but there's a recognition of the goodness of the Lord. So God allows, or it would even appoint some of these places or kings to, to, to come into power. I can remember uh, years ago, and I, I want to say it was in Uganda, and uh, this was back in the 1980s, and uh, I don't know if some of you might remember Idi Amin. 
Like we're talking a dic dictator extreme. And one of the things that came out of that, like we're talking followers of, of Christ, Christians being uh, rounded up and killed or shot or cut up or whatever um, in their house and, and, or pulled out into the village square or whatever. But the one thing I can remember, met up, we had gone across the border and we had met up with a pastor that was from Uganda. And he had said that out of this persecution and suffering, there was such a turn to God that revival swept the land. And he, I can remember him saying, because he was at a church across the border. We had gone to a conference. He says, we don't have a lot of money. But man, can we pray. We can pray and God moves. And there was a revival that was taking place in the, in the late 90s, early, or early 90s, mid-90s, late 90s. And even, I guess, would continue on to this day. I don't know. But they began to cry out to the Lord. This is what we need to do. Listen, if you are in a place where there is hardship and stuff going on in your life, I'm not saying that's because of sin necessarily, but it is there that God is wanting for us to turn to him, that we would turn to him so that there is a taking care of us. We don't have to be afraid. At this point, I know that our country is going to reap what it has sown, and we are reaping what has been sown over the last number of, of decades, the last century, apart from God. And God is warning with, with the shaking that's going on in these last days that he's returning, that we would be ready for him. And I just want to read very quickly the last few verses of chapter 13 because it talks about the motivation of what we do in times like this, whatever government we may have, and how we should conduct ourselves. So I just, I'll just quickly finish off with this. So from verse 8, Romans 13, verse 8, it says, O no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So in the midst of the worst of times, that we, especially as brothers and sisters, would love one another. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law as we would love others. We would love others. It is a fulfillment of the law to love others in the worst of times or the most difficult of times, regardless of what government we would be under, to love others. I can remember, even as I was reading this book of Dietrich von Bonhoeffer, so, von, I think it was a von, but maybe it's Bonhoeffer, okay. Um, the, the, the things that people did for each other, to, I, I read, um, I was, I read my, my dad's story of his family and whatever over the break, and the, the, the care that they would give others in the worst of times, to love others, and there was, a, when things got difficult for my, my grandparents and, and their family and my, my father and and his siblings and others, there was a returning of what they had sown of being of love and of what is good. And it was, there was a reaping of that. To love one another. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And then as it closes off, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. What day? The day of the Lord is at hand. The night is far spent. There's not much time left of night, and then the day of the Lord will come when he returns. It says, therefore, the Lord says, therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness or, and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on 
the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That the flesh would be put down and that we would put on Jesus Christ to be more and more like Jesus Christ by faith. I like what Paul writes in the last few verses of the letter to the Galatians. Galatians 6.14. He says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me. So the world can't touch me. The world can't touch me. And it says, and I to the world. I'm, I'm dead to the world. I'm not going to do the things of this world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. As we put on Jesus and as, as we recognize what he did for us on the cross, we have life, a new creation. We become a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, what rule? To boast in the cross of Christ. As we walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. It's a, a real, it's this last phrase, the Israel of God, usually it's the God of Israel, is the way the term would be. For in, it says, as many as walk according to this rule, of boasting in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, putting on the armor of light, putting on Jesus Christ, becomes a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Now, what does Israel mean? It means he shall be a prince of God. So God calls us then even to be a prince, to be princes, to be royalty of God. Hallelujah. And also you could see this as the king of kings and lord of lords. Peace, mercy, but coming upon us as royalty of God. For now on... From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. That there would be the grace, the favor of the Lord upon us. Can we stand together? Tonight you may be, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you feel like, yeah, there's, there's things that have come against. There's things that I see in our government or those in authority around. I don't like what I see. But I want you to know that we can have peace in all of this. And today, if you are in a place of darkness, that you would recognize as a child of God, we are children of light. And the armor of light is upon us. The Lord Jesus is upon us, that the, that the armor of God would be upon you. And Jesus is our armor to put on Jesus. And so I would invite you, if you have not done that, or you've heard of that, or you're just saying maybe, yeah, I need to give my life to the Lord. I want you just to, to pray with me at this point. We start off by recognizing the authority of Jesus Christ. He is above all. All power and authority has been given to him. And he desires to, to have and be the authority in your life. To be sovereign in your life. That you would say, yes, Lord, I, I make you king in my life. And that others, I would share the love of Christ. That I would love others. So that if, you, if, you, if we could pray together tonight that we would make a declaration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our life, his authority, his sovereignty in our life. Praise the Lord. So if we could pray together, if you would just pray with me, Jesus. Yeah, just if you would uh, join in with me, Jesus. You are above all. All power and authority is yours because of your sacrifice on the cross for me. You, you died, you were buried, but you rose again, and you are seated on the right hand of the Father. All power and authority is yours. We confess it is sin that separates us from you.
I have sinned, but you took my sins upon yourself and you died for me so I can be forgiven and have life. I receive you into my existence. Be my Lord and Savior that you would be exalted in my life, that I can love you with all my heart and love my neighbor as I would love myself. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer believing that you would turn the direction that you were headed in and turn to the Lord Jesus and just hang on to him, he's got a future and eternity that is, is an amazing thing and uh, is a wonderful thing. He loves you so much. God bless you. Have a wonderful night and uh, good to be back uh, here uh, back home. Love you guys. Missed you guys. And uh, have a great night. Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the Word of God by watching our service live stream and listening to our podcast on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.